Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up, making things happen. I talk to different creative people about how they do their thing and how they keep it going. And this week, my guest is the creator of the new web series, Last Will and Testicle. Wanted to make sure I got that title right. His name is Byron Lane, and he's delightful. Um, but before we get into that, a uh, little housekeeping, I'd love to direct you to DennisAnyone.net. Uh, there you'll see all the podcasts archived. You can also connect to my virtual tip jar if you feel like giving me a little something to help keep the podcast going, pay for expenses. I always appreciate that. Um, if you want to review the podcast on iTunes, that's awesome. And follow me on Twitter, at Hensley Dennis. Awesome. And like the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. That's really cool, too. All right, without any further ado, here is Byron Lane. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the breast breakfast. I said breast. I think we should leave it. Leave it? And you know what? I've real. been working on botched post up. No wonder I said breast. All right. <laughs> I'm coming to you from the breakfast nook of my guest today, Byron Lane. He is an actor and a writer, and he created a really delightful, fun web series called Last Will and Testicle. Yeah. About your adventures with testicular cancer. That's right. Starting right up right out the gate with a real upbeat. You know, mess. You know, this is going to be a fun one, folks. No, but it is really fun. The web series, and so uh, I want to talk all about that. You've also you were a TV reporter for a while in Vegas. Yes, three very long years. I want to talk. I want to hear about that. You worked with Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, an adventure, I'm sure. Genius, brilliant, brilliant woman. Yeah. I love it. All right, so let's start with Last Will and Testicle. Okay. When it's a, it's like two seasons worth of web series. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. You can get through it really fast, though. It moves quick. When did it first um, go up? When did? How long has it been around? How long has it been up there? Mm, I think uh, January. In January, I launched it. Right on. So yeah. it's been up. And then did you do one season and then come back and do another? Or, yep. Yeah. I did right. uh, six in January, and then I just put out six in July. In July, so it's fresh. It's fresh. Season I'm not two the, is I'm, really I'm fresh. Really, I'm right on the. Sometimes I don't know when I discover things online. <laughs> right. It's like I want to do this hot new web series, and I'm like, it's been around for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. But we're pretty. We're in the. You're still in the hot zone. Dennis. We're in the hot zone. Yeah. So when did you actually go through the cancer? Um, so that was October. Oh, October so pretty recently. Of uh, last year, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so you find out yeah. you have testicular cancer. Well, I, yeah, I felt this lump in February, and it was sort of like the size of a pea. Right. And uh, and I had uh, been going to the urologist regularly anyway. Right. And, um, and I was like, oh, I'll just ask him about it next time I go. And then, then by August, it was like a marble. Right, and so he's gone from P to Marvel. P to Marvel, and he's like, "No, we, we're cutting it out." And and I'm like, "Okay." And then somewhere somewhere in there, he mentions uh, chemo, and then I start to then it hits me for real, like, "Oh, this is like a real thing." He never said the word cancer initially. No, you know how they are, right? But there's you a mass, think they would. <laughs> there's a you know, it might be there might be cells, right? That they, are they don't want to say it. They don't want to say it. So I'm like, okay. Uh, then when the cancer thing happened, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose all my hair. So um, and you have amazing hair, by the way. It's BTW. Like, th- well, today is maybe a good hair day. Who knows? Some days right. it looks no, like it, I'm wearing a wig. It's wavy and great. It's oh, great. You're sweet. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, let me shoot something before I lose all the hair, and then when all the hair's gone, I'll shoot something else, and then I'll have like a, you know, it could be a thing like that. Right. Movie, you 50 Exactly. Uh, anyway. It's so brave when an actor allows themselves to be. <laughs> seen that way. Isn't it true? Like, here we are vulnerable, pulling back the curtain of hair. I know. I saw. I just saw um, Florence Foster Jenkins. Uh-huh. Meryl is bald in it. Oops, spoiler alert. At one <laughs> oh, point. No. Anyway. Um, and every, and you're, you're looking at it and you're like, that looks so real and they're so right. brave. The world's most expensive bald cap. Now, 
a lot of times with things like this that are inspired by real events, especially when they're challenging events, it's like two years later when you decide to process it creatively. You were like, let's do this now. I really did feel a sense of like panic about it. And creatively or about your life? Um, mm, I never felt like I would die. Right. But I did feel creatively. Like, I think, you get it, like, creative people, I think, sometimes just feel, like, this pressure or panic to make. To generate, know? yeah. And uh, and I was feeling that for a long time, but it wasn't clear exactly what to yeah, do. Yeah, what do I, what's my subject? How yep. do I express it? Then suddenly this really personal thing felt right. Right. You know? And then people's reactions started to, it became clear to me, like, oh my gosh, like, I'd tell... My, my sweet mother, God, I love my mother, and, but sometimes things become a little bit about her. So I would right. say, oh, I found this long thing. Oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to live with this? Like, I'm so worried. And, you know, so I'm like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Right. Like, that's a great scene. One of my favorite things about your performance is you, you do that sort of dead reaction where other people are spiraling and you're just sitting there taking it in. And it's so subtle and it's so funny. Thank Cause you. Because it's like other people are making it all about them and you're just sitting there. And it's really funny. Um, so, you, you, as you were telling people, you were going, oh, this is a scene. This oh, is, yeah. There's a story here. People would laugh. Uh, and, and listen, like, like the one lady who, who laughed who did strike me as like, oh, I'm definitely doing this one. Right. Um, I, it wasn't like I was like, listen, I... Something terrible has happened. I'm like, listen, my testicles blowing up, and then you know. Right. But I'm like, okay, so that's funny. Was it the right or left? Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, so they tell you you have a mass or whatever. Did they mm-hmm. ever say the word cancer? Let me think. When the word cancer came up, um, I might have. I might have during that session been um, asking questions like, "Well, wait, what are we?" Says, Blink once if it's cancer. Blink <laughs> once. Like, they don't like that. It. Yeah. Um, the can oh, so the, basically the thing was, we won't know for sure till we get it out. Right. We have to get it out and cut it up, send it to people. Right. That whole thing. How big was it when they took it out? Still a marble? Yeah. And the yeah. testicle was small. Like, it was like eating itself or something. Wow. So now, did- some people get bigger. Right. With cancer. So did they take out... The testicle and the marble at the same time? Yeah, it was all connected. So they, they were, because they were together. Wow. Yeah. So they told you in that initial thing, you're going to lose your testicle. Yeah. That was happening. But, but listen, I had had a testicle trauma when I was a teenager where I was masturbating too rough and I went to bed. This should have been an episode. I don't mean to. Should, this should be I don't a, mean to. I don't mean to. <laughs> right. I, Monday morning quarterback oh with God. you. Because it's literally Monday morning, but. Yeah. Just that, okay. I know. This, it could, maybe it could be a whole... Season three. Or a, a, a trilogy of films. Right. Um, so, masturbating too rough, went to bed, woke up in the middle of the night, and my right ball was swollen the size of a tennis ball, and I had to crawl down the stairs and go to my poor construction worker father and be like, something's wrong with my ball. We had to go to the hospital. They had to untangle it because it got, like, twisted in this thing called a torsion. Wow. That doesn't sound good. Doesn't sound good. But they did save the ball. They saved it. They saved it, so it continued living. But that's why I was going to the urologist regularly to make sure it was still living. Yeah. Now, what did your what did you tell your father was going on? Did you just oh. tell him? He was like, "What what happened?" I was like, "I don't know." He's like, "Were you no?" And then in the, and then the hospital, of course, the nurses were like, "Were you doing anything sexual?" And I was like, "Um, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't remember anything sexual." You know, I'm like 14. Right. But yeah, I was. Wow. Yeah. I mean, teenagers and that is so fraught already, and we 
sometimes feel guilty for it, and then that. Oh my god! Well, did, I was, did you feel like you were being punished for that? Uh, yeah, and I was a super, I was super Catholic, so right. like, I was raised Mormon. I felt like that was the one thing I was doing oh wrong god. in my life was that if I could just stop doing that. The Mormons and the Catholics should get together and like for group circle therapy. jerk. Yeah, <laughs> 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 circle jerk. Oh. So you felt like, oh God, I'm being punished for... I'm being for, punished, I'm a sinner, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, yeah. right. And of course, like, I didn't want to be gay. And my mom had left my dad for another woman. So Ooh, that, how intriguing. Totally. So Season that had... Four. So much. So that had added a whole new level of, like, the sexuality thing and everything bad and... That's rough. I, we had something like that in my family. Uh, not in my parents, though. And it's it does something to the man, mm-hmm. I noticed. It's, it's just, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, it was real. I mean, my dad uh, was, he, you know, like I said, he's a construction worker, uh, had a tough life. His father died when he was very young. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure he ever really had a sense of, like, what, first of all, what, what a happy marriage looks like. I don't know if anyone knows. Right. But he definitely, and so they didn't have a happy marriage. And, um, but when my mom left, it did, it did shake him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's something. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. So you 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 have the surgery. Yep. How long till you're shooting the first episode? Ah, uh, let's see. Oh my God, memories, memories. Um, was it like within weeks? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so oh yeah. Right this whole thing happened right away. Wow. I called like I had a list of like dream actors that I wanted to work with, and and of course when you mentioned cancer, everyone's like, of course, right. So I was very lucky. So you've got great people in it, like Beth Grant. That's Grant. Uh, Drew Drogi and Sam Pancake, uh-huh. friends of mine that have both done the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Van Ness. Jonathan Van Ness, mm-hmm. Iva Turner. Iva Turner. Who told me about you, yeah, by yeah. the way. Her episode in season two is one of my favorites, and so funny. she is killing it. Yes. Yeah. So, how many of those people did you know already, or did you, did you like, were you kind of like knew, reaching out to people that you didn't know? I knew all of them, but I didn't have like working, like I knew Drew, but right. we didn't have like a working relationship. And I knew Sam and loved right. Sam, but I, we didn't have a working relationship. Right. Yeah. Now Drew plays the cancer. He plays a lump of ball cancer. When you tell somebody, I would love for you to play a lump of ball cancer, I mean, it's kind of a flattering thing, but it's also like, how did Drew take it when you I said, hardly, I have a part for you? Mm-hmm, I hardly finished saying lump of ball cancer and he was like knocking on the front door. It was like available. Like he was in. Uh-huh. But he said he's played, uh, I'm going to botch this, but uh, he's played a breast, he's played a right. vagina, he's played every genital, you yeah, know. He, so, <laughs> he did a tomato that knocked the critics on their ass. Yes. So, so done it all. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you did like six the first time and then, mm-hmm. then you posted the others. Did it help you put your feeling somewhere? Did it help you get through it? Yeah. Being creative? Yeah. Definitely, like, you know, something to, somewhere to put the energy and also give everything purpose. And even to this day, people are like, oh my god, cancer? And I'm like, no, no, no. This was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me. It lit a fire under you creatively and you made something from it. And now you probably feel empowered, like, I can make things. Yeah. I can get people together. I can turn on a camera. Yep. It's great. Thanks. Now, you were making it at, before you really knew how it was going to go, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it could have gone really south, and you would have been, you know what, I think we're going to cancel this shoot. <laughs> well, there was part of me that was like, yeah. So, oh, because I shot it before, I, between, they took take, took the ball out, and I knew the results of the biopsy. Right. So and season, then the results were what? You had uh, it. It was cancer, yes, right. but not enough that I needed chemo. 
Great. So yeah. you, never, you never lost your hair? Never never had to do chemo. I mean, what about radiation? I lose the hair every morning and like right. clumps in my hands in the shower. Right. But no, you I never plenty. had to do it. I never had no to do it. No radiation? Uh-uh. No chemo, no radiation? I go, well, I get radiation, I guess, uh, what's the word? I go for MRIs right. and uh, CAT scans every every couple months just to well, make sure. Whenever anyone goes through that and they're like, well, they check in every six months. I'm like, six months isn't enough. Like, I, I would want to go back more. I, sometimes I feel like that. Do you always feel like that check-in time is the right time. I'm sure the doctors know what they're doing, but you're like, maybe I'll just pop by in a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's, it's every two months for me. Okay. That's uh, good. I'm comfortable that, with that. Yeah. That'd be I fun. can live with that. <laughs> you're okay, Dennis. I can live with yeah. that. Yeah. You can cope. Sometimes it's annoying. Yeah. Cause you're I like, Oh, I gotta terrible. go do that. Da, da, da. Yeah. And is it always nerve wracking to hear? Are you always a little nervous? I'm like, always a little nervous. I shouldn't be walking in Whole Foods oh, for this. I yes. need to be on a bench outside. Mm-hmm. I'm always nervous and it's so depressing. Like Why? Going, because like you see the people getting chemo. Oh, you go it's, to the place. Yeah, of it's uh, people with with the scarves on their head. I mean, and and it's it. I just find it so depressing. And then meantime, like you go in the nurses' station, they take your blood, and the nurses are like, "Can you believe Rebecca took ten minutes to tidy up room three? And it just is. It's a just their workplace with yeah. their dynamics and their. It's a very mean girls. Str- yeah, and I'm thinking like, oh my god, maybe I'm dying. Yeah. But they have to kind of be like that, or they would probably go insane. Oh, totally. My mother got cancer uh, in 99, 2000, around then. And it's when that happens in your family, it's like you get invited into this club. Mm-hmm. And you start learning about, oh, that's stage three. And, and so when other people have it, you're like, oh, what stage? And it's like this club you don't want to be in. But there is a certain thing of like, there's so many people have gone through it, yeah. you know? I also feel very lucky that it was, it's an easy cancer to treat. Yeah. Like, it could have been brain, and that was another thing that I, that I thought about in my life, like, just living fully, and what if it was brain? Right. But I do recognize that I had a very easy one to treat, and, uh, and sometimes I feel a little bit sensitive to making a comedy about it when right. other people's experiences were horrible and traumatic and even ended with death, you know? So, right. Anyway, I just want to recognize that. But it's that. your story. You yeah. told your story. Have you heard it from other people that have that have been helped by it or relate to it? That was the weirdest part is uh, when I, cause I did a Kickstarter for the thing. Right. And I was getting emails from people all over the world about, like, oh, this is so funny. I'm going to send this to my friend who has testicular cancer. Had, and When you were trying to raise the money, what did you have? Like, one episode to show? Or, like, how did people oh, know I, what it was going to be? I had shot uh, a trailer. Okay, great. Yeah. And, th- and then you heard from people responding to the trailer saying, I'm mm-hmm. glad you're making this. Here's yeah. Some money. And it, it, that was really lovely. That is really, really lovely. Touching. Yeah. What were your rewards for your Kickstarter? Oh. Don't you have to do like oh, I was so lazy <laughs> because I was like, all right, how hard, how much do I have to do if I'm like, I because I have cancer, right? Exactly. Um, I'm going to be laid up, so I don't know if I could do that voicemail right. message that I promised you. Yeah, um, I can I, barely sign this God. DVD. And I did like uh, I did a lot of research, <laughs> and people were like. Uh, well, you know, if you do the re- the physical rewards, you're dealing with mail and blah blah blah. So yeah. I did mostly like experience type things. So like, um, um, you know, advanced copy of the of the show before it goes on YouTube. It was right. mostly that stuff. Right. It was um, manageable. Manageable. And it worked. But like, I did have brainstorms of like I could do a, like a tote sack. Yeah. Like, why not? You know, um, I could do, and then a friends were SAC. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> friends were dying to get me to do like um, Christmas ornaments. Right. Like ball. Yeah. Single testicle. You know. Balls themselves are mm-hmm. oval shaped. They're not yeah. round. They're like oval. Like they're an shaped egg. like an egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. And that's easy to do. Yeah. I could have gotten some eggs, and you know, but. You yeah. But who wants to? Were you nervous mm-hmm. that you were going to make your Kickstarter goal? Because it's a whole thing. 
Yeah, I was super nervous. Um, but we made the... I what was your goal? 5,000 started. Okay, yeah. And we made that in just a few days. That's amazing. People were so nice to me. And, uh, and so then I was like, oh, I'm going to try to get 10. Right. And we ended up at 9,500. 9, That's so, amazing. Still solid, yeah. Still solid. And there's something very heartening about people supporting you that way. It's very... As much of it's, as it's kind of a pain yeah. and a hustle, it's very touching that people want this to exist and believe in you and think that much of you or whatever. And it's a way, it's, I think it's a way, this, maybe this sounds crazy, uh, for people to feel like they're helping. Yeah. Like, you know, I say that to other friends who are doing it, who are doing Kickstarters for their own thing. I'm like, people want to help you. They yeah. like you, they want to support you, and that's what happened here, I think. And I'm so grateful. Now, when it first went up uh, online, did you do play any festivals, or have you done anything apart from the online exhibition with it? Um, let's see. So I dropped it online, and then I submitted to a zillion festivals. Yeah. And um, and we got in a bunch. That's so good. I, we, I, we're going to be in nine total. Well, we're in nine total, but three of them haven't announced yet. But uh, And then we won a couple of awards, one in Houston, um, which was sort of like a... We, we didn't actually play, like, on a screen there, but their right. judges liked it enough that they gave it an award. So That's cool. I'll take it. Yeah. And then we won an audience award at Dances with Films here in Hollywood, which was so fun and exciting. What do you show when you play at a festival? The whole thing? Uh, some festivals do the whole first season, which right. is 24 minutes, and right. then others you just pick a few. Pick a few and do it and do it that way. Mm-hmm. Have you been to the festivals? I went to Dances with Films, yeah, and it was so weird. Red carpet, step and repeat? Uh, that wasn't the weird part. The weird part for me was it was the first time I saw it with an audience. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and like, so the cinematographer, Nathan Warburton, who's a genius, and he did the sound, he did everything. It was like a one-man band. Uh, he was there with his parents. So I'm sitting there, his parents are next to me, and then all of a sudden the things are happening with balls and balls in my mouth and all the jokes that go along with it and I just was a little bit nervous right but people you get that feeling in your stomach it was yeah awkward. where you're like and you're blushing I'm like oh my god I hope yeah. this is not now in the in the web series your character's in a relationship and they talk about how that affects the relationship sex desire and stuff is that all based on your own experiences um there are some hints of that um my boyfriend Steve is very uh sensitive uh, to those things like he won't go to like a certain do Soleil show because he doesn't like to see people bending in strange positions. So there were okay. moments where I was like, Babe, do you want to feel this lump of cancer in my bulb before they cut it out? And he's like, Ugh. Yeah. He, he really doesn't. You know Just what I mean? send me a tweet. I don't need to touch <laughs> right. it. Just describe it to me and I'll yeah. try to bear through that. So there was a little bit of that. Right. Which I think is kind of funny. I love the, the model, the handsome model when he spits in his hand. Oh. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's Peter <laughs> I don't know Porte. why it's such a throwaway moment and it oh. really tickled me he is a genius Peter Porte has been in uh, is it Baby Daddy yeah Baby Daddy he's been in Mom he's on every show he did the Rockwell thing for a while with the Boz Lerman tribute right so he's handsome gorgeous so kind when I asked him to do this he was like of course uh, right. he sings dances all of it and that's all him like I didn't write spit in your hand he, right. he came prepared. He had this whole thing ready. I'm going to spit in my hand. And I'm going to spit in my hand. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He's a genius. Why did I write Easter egg it up? Oh, someone says that. Um, I made me laugh. Sam's Pancake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, that was actually kind of a real thing, too. When, when, okay, so I got an implant. And so, the doctor came in right before he was going to take the ball out. And he's like, all right, well, we need to talk about what size implant you want. Um, and he's like, now, listen, I have not... This ball shrunk with your cancer. Right. Um, do you want one that size? And I'm like, no. Like, can we please get a little bit bigger? Can we match the other one? Right? Yeah, yeah. 
So that happened in real life, and I was telling Sam about that, and Sam ad-libbed that line. Um, so when we were shooting that scene, and Sam was like, this is a really tiny ball, you want the same size? I was like, no, he's like, okay, so Easter egg it up? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Easter egg it up. Easter egg it up. And you talked about having, there was a, all, all these different models to choose from, mm-hmm. and you chose the Millennium Falcon. I wanted that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. would, that would be cool, but also maybe painful. <laughs> what, what were the choices actually like? I actually didn't have a lot of choices. Yeah. Uh, he was just like, do you want one a lo- you know, bigger than this tiny cancer ball? And I was like, yes, please. Uh, and then Steve, uh, boyfriend, joked uh, that I got a, technically a child's medium. Um, so I think that ended <laughs> That's up That's all right. There. That's fine. That ended up in there somewhere, too, I think. That, that means you're youthful. Yeah, that yeah. I'm you're, young and vibrant. You're teen. You can, <laughs> go to, right. you can go to some of those parties in the hills and get picked up by certain famous directors. Yeah. It all work out. Yeah. Um, I finally have a career. Right. What, how do you feel about the implant? Do you, feel, do you think about it? Do you forget uh, about it? I, I have mixed feelings. Like, I do... <laughs> I do like to, I do feel it a lot, and it's weird to, like, squeeze it and, like, not feel With your pain. hands. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also have a little bit of guilt, because, like, uh, I have some friends who are just very opposed to the breast implants, you know, and them being harmful, and, um, and there is a part of me that's like, oh, am I, am I fake in some way? Am I being shallow? Yeah, yes. Uh, when I should, mm-hmm. you know, am I bringing this foreign body into mm-hmm. my body? And, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have mixed feelings. Like, I love it. And it seems fun. It has right. a serial number, so if I'm murdered, they can identify my body with it. Where would it be? Just printed on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just printed on there, yeah. Just like, wow, like a long... I don't know, I should... I, I've been meaning to investigate. I took a stand-up comedy class and, yeah. and did a few sets, and uh, my comedy teacher, Jody Miller, who's a genius, was like, you need to find out the number, and you need to recite the number. Yeah, I agree. You know? I yeah. support that. Thank you. I yeah. sign off on that. Yeah. I'll take that note. They do give you a little card, which yeah. I have in like my testicle file. Wow, what's it made of? Silicone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's solid. It's a little squishy, but it's, right. but it's, so it's not as soft as like an actual testicle. But did you look at it before it was installed? No, like they said this is going in. No, mm-hmm. no. Were you out? Were you knocked out? Oh Jura? yeah, so, yeah. Uh-huh. When I came to, um, I was crying, and I was like, um, I feel very sad. And the doctor came in. He's like, hey, buddy, how are you doing? I'm like, I feel sad. I need to talk about my feelings. And he immediately turned and went and got Steve because he was like, I'm not. Yeah, it's not my department. It's not my department, yeah. I'm the hey, buddy. Yeah. I'm the- Everything's good. <laughs> I cut. I like being anesthetized. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yep. I've only done it twice. Once for a neck surgery and once for a colonoscopy. And both times, I, when I came to, I felt like I liked what I'd gone through. I think I like not being present. I think I like being totally responsibility-free. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah. I go to therapy every week, and she's constantly like, oh, yeah, you wish you were back in the womb. And I'm like, a little. Yeah. I just want to be fed and taken care of. I just want to rest. I just want to be checked out uh-huh. or something. I find it uh, relaxing or refreshing or whatever. Yeah. I like that feeling. I get it. I, and Michael Jackson, I hear you. I know. I was like, yeah. that's not that's not that bad. He's no fool. I know. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it didn't end well for him, but I get it. I get But I, I get the impulse. Right. Um, so you worked as a reporter in Las Vegas. Yeah. So, I so yeah. I'm, I'm Byron Lane coming to you from the strip, from the MGM oh, Grand, right? That was it, but it was, um, it was terrible. Like, I would get to work. So I, I'd look young. I, even then, I mean, then I was like 24. And uh, I'd come from Louisiana, so this was like my first real on-air job. Your first market. My first big market, yeah. Right. So anyway, I'd peep up in there, and they're like, okay, night shift. So I would get to work at midnight, 
and get in a live truck and drive around and go from crime scene to crime scene listening to a police scanner. And whatever was the bloodiest, most awful thing, that was our story. So I was You're just, a nightcrawler almost. I was basically that. Wow. So meeting people at their worst moment, car crashes. Oh, and then like the so I like one I remember vividly. Uh, this rapper, he wasn't famous, but police characterized him as a rapper, was shot in the head, and uh, he's dead in his car. And there's a woman crying. So of course that's who we want to talk to, the crying woman, because she knows him. What? So and of course that's the girlfriend. And my job is to get her to agree to go on camera, even though she's a crying hysterical mess, and get her to sign the release. We never, we never oh, got yeah, releases. It's news. It's Get news. a photo of her dead boyfriend. Like that's what they want. So like when you see photos of these dead people on the, that's what's happened. Someone has negotiated, or, or I say negotiated because that but that implies money, but it's usually like, oh, can I, can I see? Oh, him? not a photo of the dead, a photo of the dead body, or a photo, a photo from the, like, like the, Facebook him or smiling. Yeah, I guess now they go to Facebook. Right. But back then it was, do you have a photo of him in your wallet? So we can show people and, and tell something nice innocent. about him. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say. I don't have the personality for that. And I don't know I'm that you monster. did. I'm a monster. But you did I hated it. it. I was so depressed. I hated it, yeah. You know, I, I, thought, I thought when you when I heard that, it would be like human interest stories around in Henderson or whatever. You know, the Pinewood Derby. and you know, blood. Blood in the streets. Blood in the streets. You know what was common there was pedestrians getting hit by cars. And the fun fact about that is that people often came out of their shoes because of the force <laughs> of the car. I know. I don't mean to laugh, but I'm yeah. going to call this podcast People Often Came Out of Their Shoes. Please. That's the title of this. So I would show up at a scene, and sometimes the body was still there, and sometimes the body was gone, but you could look at the spray paint. on. They, like, they would circle the shoes, and then they would put little marks where the tires were, and you could sort of read read it. You know, like hieroglyphics of like what happened here. And one time a guy came out of his pants because they were uh, just sweatpants. So they were very loose. And so the guy out of the shoes, out of the pants, body flying. Wow. That happened a lot. That's incredible. Yeah. So you would do your stand-ups. Yep. I would, how, many, I how many would you do? Like there would six. be, you would do six stand-ups a night. Uh, in the morning for the morning show. So I'd get there at midnight and then the morning show started, I forget, like 6 a.m. So it was 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30, 8, 8.30. Were they all live? All live. So I you mean, unless to, I was in transit. So, for, for example, if there were two crimes in a night, mm-hmm. would you do the first two at one crime scene and then go to the other and hopefully get what you needed by... It depended. So, uh, whichever was the freshest blood, yeah. that would be the first one for sure. And then, but if that scene, like, went cold or maybe it was an accident, we'd skip it. Or if the identity of the person came out, like, if it turned out that the first the first murder was, like, a just some guy... But then we later learned that the other murder was a doctor. We race to the doctor. Was there a class race yeah, element? Because it was always like nothing like a white blonde girl getting murdered. That is to real. To get the world fired up. That's real. That's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's, of course it's sad. Real. It's, I, do feel, I do feel like it's changing a tiny bit with things like uh, Making a Murderer, right. which was not a high class. That was about class to me. That was about who has money and class. and. Yes, that was the story of yeah. that. Yeah. But, like, uh, but Dateline passed on that. Yeah. You know, 48 Hours passed on that, like years it, ago. It took all of this, mm-hmm. it took this documentary yep. to bring that to light. And then what's funny is I was watching Nightline the other night, and sure enough, they did an update on it because mm-hmm. the kid's getting out. Yeah, all those people, when they could have done it originally. They could have done it, yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. What did you have a, a an editor like Rene Russo in Nightcrawler who was cynical and would say, "Give me the blood," you know, like Constance Zimmer and Unreal, um, like just that that mm-hmm. vicious, soulless. I was really lucky. I had uh, Dawn Clapperton, who's still in the business, and she was lovely. Uh, and she was this was her first executive producer job too. She had been she had been just promoted there. Right. And I remember her, she's so sweet and but and always stressed out. Right. They all are stressed out. So stressed out. And there there is just uh I was, so I was lucky I didn't have someone who was crazy. But I, I knew what I was supposed to do and I did try to do it. And I tried to be really sweet. But and sometimes I did terrible things, like if this counts as terrible, there was a small plane crash in like Washington State. And uh, reading the wires, uh, the woman's, the dead woman's mother lived in Vegas. So in the middle of the night, call the dead woman's mother. Um, she was awake. She already knew. Can we come talk to you about your daughter? We'd really like to say some nice things about her. Sure. We head over there, and she's got, like, oil of Olay all over her face. Like, so she's shiny. And then the hair and the thing. And it's the balance of, do I tell her to go look in a mirror and kind of clean up so she looks good? Uh, or do we just knock this out? Because what, what often happens is people get freaked out by the camera and the whole thing, and then they don't want to do like it. They don't want to do it. you got to get yeah. it while the getting's good. So I got it while the getting is good. And I put her on TV with her cold cream on and her scarf in her hair. And then a week later, she sent me a thank you note saying that she saw the beauty in me and that I was a nice person. That must have felt good. It, it was, but you must have felt a little bad because you would have like, I'm not nice enough to get you I'm a washcloth. I'm not, I feel like I might not be that nice. Yeah. Yeah. But you look young now. Thanks. Yeah. You must have looked really young when it, you were doing that. It was, was it like, crazy. who's this kid reporting was, on this? It was hard. Guy flying out of his shoes. Mm-hmm. I interviewed the governor once, and when it was done, he pinched my cheek. And was like, you remind me of my grandson. I'm like, yeah. sir, no, I'm a serious journalist. Right. I'm asking you questions about the economy. Right. But, you know, that's how it was. Did you get recognized much in Vegas? Oh, no. Were you a local celeb? Mm-mm. No. No. Is that what you went to school for? Yep. Journalism? Where? Loyola in New Orleans. Okay, nice. I went to Arizona State for broadcasting. Oh, fun. Yeah. But I never wanted to do that. I ended up going more print journalism and stuff like that. But I'm always nervous and impressed with reporters who do their stand-ups live, because mm-hmm. there's no script, right? No script. You're pulling it out of your ass. Yep. And you, you're not, you don't want to, um, and whatever. And like, Mm -hmm. so I talked to the girlfriend and she's like, he just flew out of his shoes. Like you have to, first of all, that was perfect. You're a natural. Really? Yeah. But you have to be, it's a skill, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Those standards. Were you nervous the first time? They're going. Oh yeah. We're going live to Byron Lane in Uh Henderson. I once uh, hired this consultant. Everyone does this when they're in their small market to give me tips to help me get to a bigger market. Right. That's what it's all about: climbing the ladder. He was like, "You need to gain weight. You need to work out." But my body, when I get nervous, like does will not does not want any food in it. So it was like instant diarrhea before every live shot. Really? I was very yeah. I was very nervous. It was very nerve wracking. And there's some video by the way on on my YouTube. Thing. Oh, awesome. So that you can look at. I want to see that. Yeah. What was the best story you covered? Where, where you were like, I'm really glad I got to experience this. Well, the one that I mentioned to people is I got to fly with the Thunderbirds uh, in an F-16. Wow. They're the exhibition uh-huh. fly, fly, uh, flying yep. people. Um, they came to, um, what's that, Nellis Air Force Base. And right. they always like to do these media things. So I was so scared that I would throw up. So they were like, don't eat a lot in the morning. You know, we're going to do like... G-forces and shit. So I was like, okay. So um, I was nervous, but I didn't throw up. 
And it was a great experience. That's really cool. In Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Did you like living in Las Vegas? I think it's weird. Mm-hmm. Vegas is we- super weird. But when I was there, uh, I didn't know that. Like, I went from Alexandria, Louisiana. Well, first of all, right. from New Orleans, so I studied there. And then my first TV job was Alexandria, Louisiana, which is market like 200. Right. Where there was no big stories. So moving from there to Vegas was a big deal for me. So it was like my first real apartment, you know, all that. Right. And I lived in the Las Vegas Country Club. They had like some apartments in there. And so it was a gated area that was like beautiful and lush. But right outside, like people are shot all the time. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Helicopters flying, looking. Um, but I did I did love it. It wasn't until I moved to L.A. that I was like, oh, my God, Vegas is not real. Right. That is not did a real you, city. Were you around the Strip very much or was that a whole different yeah, world? Yeah. On my weekends, I would like walk up and down the Strip. I loved it. Yeah. Did you go to concerts? Who were the big shows when you were there? Oh, Celine was there. Right. Uh, and that's the other cool thing about Vegas is that everyone knows everyone. So, like, I need to get to Celine. You know, easy breezy or, you know, that kind of thing. You were able to work it. Yeah. I had a friend that, that used to work for Cirque du Soleil and now he works for the, the Wynn. Mm-hmm. And he hooks me up sometimes when I go there. Yeah. They, it's like a thing. Yeah. So what made you leave that and move to Los Angeles? Okay, so uh, I've never really told this story before because I'm kind of embarrassed about it, but um, I do this my live This is a safe nook. This feels like a safe zone, Dennis. It's a totally safe zone. I always say to people that my contract ran out and that's why I moved to L.A., which is true. But uh, deeper than that, um, my news director, I do all my live shots one morning. I don't even know what they were. And he calls me in and he says, we have to have a two-by-four conversation. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? He's like, it means like, I gotta tell you something. It's gonna be like getting hit upside the head with a two by four. I'm like, okay. He's like, are you happy? And I was not, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, is this really what you wanna be doing with your life? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. And even though I wasn't sure. And then he was like, well, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna buy you out of your contract. Um, we're gonna let you go. And so we're gonna pay you for the next six months. Um, do whatever you want, you know, and thanks for your time with us. And that was it. So they bought me out of my contract. So it's basically getting fired. Wow. And he was just, there was no reason. And I was like, and first I started to argue with him. I was like, well, you know what? I show up every day. I, I take this really seriously. But it was clear he was, he was done. And so that's it. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I'm obsessed with the two by four thing. Cause the whole time he's talking, you're thinking about a board. And in I mean, other words, it's a very interesting way to have that conversation in a way it helps. It serves him yeah. because it's a kind of acute way of saying, and the whole time you're sitting there, you're thinking lumber board, what's happening. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So, so that, that was a terrible way to do it. I think. Yeah. But, uh, nevertheless that, that happened. And he didn't give you any reason or anything like that, or if you need to. Okay. Yeah. Was, I wish. Yeah. And you know, and it makes me. You know, I feel a little insecure. Like, oh, did I? Was I terrible? Um, but the truth is, I really gave that job a lot. Like, I, right. I really did take it really seriously, and uh, I think it just wasn't. You know. How did you get it initially? Did you send in a? Yes, I sent in a VHS tape. Right. Uh, a resume tape, they called them. Right. And um, I, I was in Alexandria. My contract was ending in 60 days there. And I was like, you know, I was in a pool in some, like, shitty apartment complex where I lived. And I, I actually had the thought, like, this isn't terrible. Right. I was an anchor on the weekends there. so That's like, exciting. Yeah. So I was like, I'm getting to anchor. Uh, I have some freedom. I'm in a pool. It's beautiful and sunny. I could, I could do this a couple more years until I finally find a job. And then I went inside, I'm not kidding, and I had a voicemail from this guy in uh, Vegas, Dick Tuniga, 
he's dead now, and I, I feel bad that I wasn't in touch uh, with him before he died. But anyway, uh, and he was like, you remind me of my son, and I thought your tape was really creative, and uh, the CBS affiliate here in Vegas has this cable outlet called Las Vegas One, and we'd like to bring you in for that. And so they hired me for that, and then they promoted me to the CBS station shortly after that. Wow, that's so exciting, though, to, to be wanted yeah. like that and to be picked. Do you wish you were still in that game? Oh, no, it was terrible. When I moved to L.A., I started writing. I got a job as a news writer uh-huh. for um, CBS 2 and KCAL 9. Right. And uh, so it was the same thing. Like, they worked in the middle of the night because those jobs are easy to get. Right. It was amazing money, but it, you know, it was just kind of soul-crushing. It's all the same stuff. The best thing there was I got to work with Kent Shopnick, who uh, is a longtime anchor here in L.A., who is such a genius. Like, there would be a wildfire, and he would just go off script and just start talking about the history of the property. He could tell you the square footage of the community, how many people live there, just things he knew. And that really was the only rewarding thing about working there, is that he, watching him perform, it was really amazing. Do you wish you were still in that industry in some capacity? No, it's so disgusting. It's so gross. I, I really I, I don't watch the news I, I can't it's what's so gross about it because you know they like the sensational stories or whatever yeah. but they also are doing a service there I also is like I don't know here's the thing for me I see smoke billowing from like around the corner and I want to go to the cbs2.com and be like what's on fire and there's no answers now I think they're figuring that out I think they're working on that and eventually the model is going to be you can't have cbs2 cover all of this, you have to have, like, individual small things. And I, th- I think we're getting there, but that's what eventually has to happen because it's not a real – and it's all rehashed because it's cheaper to do – it's cheaper to do morning news, and you'll see that they're all changing their time. So it used to be that the morning news started at 6. Now it starts at 4.30. Eventually it will start at 4 because it's cheaper to just have some anchor sit there and read the same stories all morning than it is to pay syndication. So instead of running Judge Judy at 4 and paying for that, you can just tell Tom, Tom, we need you to come in at 4 and start anchoring. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so they're adding more news to the earlier morning. Yeah. It's cheaper than buying a show, yeah. some other show. Yeah. That's wild. So what was your acting, writing, creative stuff? Where was this all the time you were doing journalism? Um, so that was all brewing in there. I always wanted to perform. And right. I did, like, you know, plays and stuff in high school and all that. And... Um, so I, was, I started auditioning when I got out here uh, for commercials, and then I auditioned for Lonely Girl 15, which was like the first YouTube web series. And it was this young woman who um, everyone thought was a real person, and then it became revealed that it was a hoax, and she was doing it from a set, and it became a thing. I and, remember that. Yeah. And then they were expanding, so they were casting. And so I met with them a bunch of times, um, got a bunch of callbacks, but I didn't get the part. And I was like, screw you. I, how hard is this? I can get a webcam. Right. And so then I was just trying to think of a character. And, uh, and then I was like, I don't want to be like, wear glasses and be goofy. And then I thought, oh my God, what if I had like a, a mark on my face or a scar? And then I landed on birthmark. And then what if the birthmark was on my mouth? And then what if that looked like herpes? And what if people called me herpes boy? And then that became my thing. Right. And so you did it as a web thing. Yeah. But you owned it. Like, or did you pretend that it was really you? Um, I, no, I set up a YouTube channel called, uh, it was youtube.com slash herpesboy, and that was, uh, like he was a real person. That was his story. That was his story, So yeah. you were living a lie. Mm-hmm, yeah. How long did you keep the lie up? Um, that lie, um, <laughs> I kept up for, I guess, a few years. Maybe a couple of years until this producer, director, genius, John Baumgartner... He, um, he saw it, 
And he was like, this should be a feature. Have you ever written a feature before? And I said, no. And he was like, well, try it. So I like, went on Word and wrote, you know, and he right. helped me craft it into a, a film. And then he eventually, he couldn't see it all the way through, but uh, I found another director, uh, Nate Atchison, who just, he's a genius too. And he and I had done some uh, short films in uh, Orange County when he was at Chapman. Okay. And uh, he was the only director I really knew. So I was like, hey, you want to do this film? And he was like, I just graduated from film school. Yeah. And that's it. And we did it. We made this movie, Herpes Boy. I love that. Now, yeah. did you have a, like a mark on your face for the, all the web videos? Yeah. I got. So like, you had to recreate uh, it every time. Yep. I was what trying. did it look like? <laughs> it was just a little like that. Okay. So uh, maybe a little bit like uh, in the shape of Iowa. I like okay. Sure. Um, so I go to Rite Aid across the street from where I was living at the time, and I buy all these lipsticks, and I go home, and I'm, like, trying to see which one looked the most like a On your mark. arm. Yeah, and it ended up with, like, oh, shit, what was the name of it? I don't know, some kind of rose color. Right. And uh, that was it. And you would draw it on every time you did it. Every Nobody time. ever said that looks different than the last time. No one ever said it. Wow. And I think you could tell. Like, I mean, like, I watch it, and I'm like, oh... He's a little bit bigger there, but... So you, your first one, you're saying, hey, this is birthmark, and now everyone thinks I have herpes, and I'm a herpes boy. Mm-hmm. And these are my adventures. What's the fir- what was the first video? I don't even remember what the first video was, but um, yeah, that was it. Wow. Did you get people recognizing you as herpes boy? Would anyone see no. you out in the world and go, what's going on? Oh, one time, like at a gay bar. Yeah. Uh, someone was like, uh, um, hey, I saw your videos, and then I kind of felt famous. But, That's uh, a good feeling. But that was it. Yeah yeah. 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 And so you did that one and then this one as well. Uh, yeah. the, the, the last will and testicle. Yeah. Uh, I, there were a couple in between that I tried, but just nothing ever happened. One was like a news reporter and one was a therapist. Wow. All right. You know, you put it out there. You never know. I heard someone say, if you want to win the lottery, you need to buy lottery tickets. Yeah. And um, that's what I was doing and I'm doing it. I'm still doing that now. And do you have a, another project in the works, another idea, or are you going to carry on with... Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last will and testicle, I would... I do still think of ideas or like, like the other day I had like a, what I call a phantom pain. I was like, okay. right. And I thought, Oh my God, that could be a funny third season where, right. um, Jonathan Van Ness who got removed, comes back like with a white face and he's like the ghost of whatever. And so that could be, but yeah, I am writing other stuff. I just did a pitch for, um, Sundance Institute and their writer's lab. Oh, great. Uh, and then, uh, then project Greenlight now has like a gay, Version. So I'm working on something for them. That's amazing. So, is it through Project Greenlight? Yeah, it's Project Greenlight. Glad, a, a, maybe logo, but a bunch of sponsors are, are doing are involved in that. So nice. And and then I have another one that's in the can about a uh, twins inside of a womb. Mm-hmm. And I've already shot that, but I just haven't edited yet. But it's really silly and crazy, but but fun. Is it a web series? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Are you one of the twins? I'm both twins. That's a lot. I, I put on a ball cap and I did the thing. And in did our did you do the green screen thing? No, I constructed a freaking womb out of felt. Uh, okay, I kept going to Joanne's Fabric and buying like yards and yards of like flesh colored felt, and right. then I dipped it in Elmer's glue to make it like a hard shell. And for months, our guest room was a uterus. Is that where you? This is where you make it all happen. Yeah. Did you shoot stuff here? I shot everything here. Yeah. So, like... This booth looks familiar. The booth has been in everything. Right. And I'll try you to... feel like it's a diner. It's amazing. Thanks. Um, the Wait, lady who... Like... The landlord is a set designer. And okay. so she was like, I think I can get you guys a cool table. And that's where this came from. I think nice. I can get you guys a cool stove. So anything in here that's, like, any kind of design is because the lady upstairs is a genius. I love that. Yeah. We're really lucky. 
Now, you worked as Carrie Fisher's assistant for a while. I did, yeah. How many years? Almost three. Wow. Yeah. How recently? Let's see. Oh, my God. Um, I worked I worked uh, at a studio for a year or so. Uh, maybe two years ago that ended. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I She was one of my early interviews when I was writing for magazines. And she was my dream interviewer. I always wanted to interview her. And it was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I walked in and I was like, where do you want to do this? She goes, in bed. And I was like, okay. And we did this thing. And we did this amazing, still my, probably my favorite interview uh, that I did as, as a magazine writer. And, and we were friendly for a while. I would, she, we would hang out. And I would go over there sometimes. And I got to go to one of the big... Penny Marshall, Carrie Fisher birthday oh parties. God. Are they still happening? Um, they did happen recently. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. They're still a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing in the food line then next to Angelica Houston and just trying to make some small talk about the chicken, and she wasn't really buying it. It was really... It was so exciting to be there, but it wasn't that fun because I didn't... I just felt odd. It's like all... I remember Albert Brooks saying to somebody, he goes, if, if a bomb were to fall on this house... Anson Williams would have a huge career. And because, like, everybody, Barbara Streisand, like, like they were all there. It was really, it was kind of exciting, but it was a, surreal to be there. That's so. so cool. And I love, like, your little references to, like, the chicken. Because um, the, 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 there was a cook, uh-huh. Gloria. Oh, Gloria, yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, Gloria, yeah. She's is still, she still the, she's yes. still, and she's uh, incredible. her son, Fred, is involved now. And okay. And he does, he does the chicken, the whole thing. They're right. all beautiful, wonderful, amazing people. Yeah, they struck me that way. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And then I remember when I was doing my interview, Debbie Reynolds came in and did a cameo, and it was <laughs> hilarious and funny, and Carrie, I ended up with one of her today's sponges as a souvenir and it had expired so it was yesterday's today's sponge and i (laughs) i kept it for a long time i don't know she was great and then we sort of lost touch and stuff like that but what was that like for you what was it what what uh because that's an interesting look at hollywood Mm -hmm. because she's such a hollywood person well i mean it did change my life like it gave me she gave me self-confidence that i didn't have um how even little things of like uh, with clothes, like she would right. buy me shirts. Wow, that's amazing. Things like that, yeah. She, and just uh, just being around someone who is uh, who lets um, who is alive in a way that many of us are not. Uh, that's interesting. And and she's just a beautiful, generous, funny, yeah, person. And uh, and that that adds life. Yeah. What was it? You you left there a while uh-huh. ago. What yep. was it like to leave? Were you? I was really torn sad. about it. Yeah, I was really torn. Um, I mean, it came down to, like, I would look at my... I had our calendar synced on my phone. And so her appointments were pink and mine were blue. And it was just harder and harder to see blue. And it really just kind of came down to that. That that kind of assistant, um, for that job, you really do... That job does become your life. And it would have been so easy for that... I mean, because... I mean, you travel around the world, you meet all kinds of interesting people, you're involved in, like, this cool industry. Right. But I did have other ambitions, and for a relationship, I just started dating Steve, and it becomes harder and harder. You just felt like you couldn't have your own life. Yeah. You had to sort of be... That makes sense. Was this before she went uh, to Europe to film Star Wars? Yeah, that was really a big part of it, because I didn't... You know, London... Moving to London for that chunk of time, I, right. I was like, I just don't, I just, that was the, that was the thing. How did you get that gig? 
Oh my god! So I was working in the middle of the night at that job I hated at CBS Two KKL Nine. Right. And um, a friend of mine, Genevieve, who I knew through Herpes Boy, worked at Gersh, and Carrie was at Gersh at the time. And uh, Genevieve's Genevieve was an assistant to Carrie's agent. Genevieve emailed a few people. Do you want to be Princess Leia's assistant? And I was like, maybe. So I went and met Carrie, and it was just like you describe everything you'd imagine, and, and right. she was so wonderful. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And that so, was it. Was it? Was it? Did you like it right from the beginning? Because uh, I think it's difficult to be a personal assistant, and I think it's Hollywood's different, difficult, and and she's really interesting, and she's had you, some ups and downs. If you're ever going to be an assistant for someone, it should be her because it really was seamless, easy. You are immediately part of her family, and um, so. It was fine. I remember when I interviewed her, and then the time afterward we were hanging out. It was a couple of years, a number of times I would go over there. And one time was right after the OJ killings. And he hadn't... It was before the Bronco chase. So it was between the killings and the Bronco chase. And she was obsessed with it. And there was some neighbor that that was obsessed as well. And I, I just remember, like trying to find the new, a new newspaper and trying to get news about it and everyone was had OJ fever and this was before we knew that you know uh, he was a suspect and I remember that vividly I remember going to one of the Easter egg hunts over there mm-hmm. that was fun I wonder if she'd even know me if I think she would I'm sure she would we, we hung out a fair amount um, but she was she was always really she had a really incredible memory, or a real like she. There were times where you're like, I don't think she picked that up, and she and then she would say something. You're like, Oh, she got, she heard that, or got that, or whatever. I don't know. She's literally a genius. Yeah, yeah. Is she working on a new book? What's going on? I don't know. Um, yeah, we we just have a casual text, occasional email relationship. Right. But and I, I remember Billy was really young, and when I would go over there, I would always try to take something for Billy. Like she was three or four like and now she's an actress on television and blowing up blowing up yeah. what is she like is she like her mom is everyone is so cool yeah yeah i love that yeah debbie reynolds with their wigs amazing amazing um so what's next for you just working on these projects for project yeah. green light and and uh, the other thing i shot i am now a little bit ambitious with my shooting so all day yesterday i shot this pitch video for this project green light thing Nice. And um, so I'm just going to start editing that, and we're going to Palm Springs in a couple weeks, and I think I'm going to edit all of my uh, twin in the uterus. Do you do videos. a lot of your own shooting, editing? Are you kind of like one of those self-contained? Yeah, I don't yeah. shoot it. Nathan Warburton and I have kind of uh, have a great working relationship. I love that. Now. So he shoots everything and, and, and generously does the audio, too. Nice. And, uh, but yeah, good audio is key. You gotta have good audio. But I, yeah, I edit it, and uh, so I take like a yellow pad and I sketch out like a shot, shot, whatever you call it, storyboarding. Right. And write out the shot lists, and then we uh, we shoot it and we edit it, and I edit it, and you make it all happen yourself. Yeah. What were you like as a kid? What did you want to be? I kind of well, I want to be president of the United really? States. Really, that's cool. I would walk our dog Norman, and I remember just having these elaborate speeches that I would give to the public about. You know, the economy and absurd. I don't know what I was talking about. No, that's cool, though. Yeah. And my dad's pretty conservative, um, so I think I got a little bit of that. Like, I remember him having, like, uh, books about, uh, during the Clinton years, you know, like, the evil Clinton. Yeah. You know, so, like, I remember all that. My parents were Republican, and they were very, they were small business owners, so they were very much, 
you know, on that Reagan trip of government is bad, big government is bad. And I remember, like, shoot, my mother would, somebody would have a dollar bill that they wrote. It's a good thing we don't get all the government we pay for. And she'd have it taped up above the thing. And they, they sort of drank all of that, that Kool-Aid. And I know as a small business owner, to get regulations or things like, you know, hoops to jump through or whatever was probably frustrating. But also that was the party line at the time. That was what they were selling. Which is so weird to me that people that don't think government is good want to be in it. You know, so what? So ideally, you would get the job and go to work and not do anything. Is that your dream for this? And didn't they do that for a minute? Yeah, they did do that. They do it all yeah. the time. That's what the Republicans have done for the last. Uh, anyway, we don't mean to get political, I know. but I, this, that that small government, big government yeah. thing like that. So, mm-hmm. what's it like when you go back to Louisiana? God, do you know I don't go back a lot for a lot of those reasons. But I yeah. am going to have a big moment coming up. Um, Steve and I are going in October nice. uh, for a high school reunion. And, Yours, yeah, and um, and to and I'm bringing him for the first time. And I did that. Invite my family to meet him. My nice. mom is super cool, uh, right. very supportive. Well, my sister, and my dad are a little bit evolving still on, on all those things, right? And um, so I'm really nervous, when but it's is kind it? of a big deal. October 10th, that weekend. Nice. What reunion yeah. is it for you? If I, I may think ask. that's 20th. Yeah, I'm 38. You look so young. Thanks, good. I guess. Yeah. Um, it used to bother me to look young, but now I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, it's good. In the news, they were like, look older! And then you move to Hollywood, and they're like, look younger! Exactly, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember with the 10-year reunion, everyone's still trying to be cool, and they're kind of cliquish. And by the 20th, everyone's been through too much shit, and they calmed down. Yeah. But I remember taking my boyfriend to a reunion, uh, my then boyfriend to a reunion, and it was so interesting that I ended up writing a short film about it. Awesome. So yeah, so I, it's going to be great. I think. And also, you're way. in Hollywood doing glamorous things. You got this web series, yeah. and your, your oh, boyfriend's an that. author and right? doing really well. <laughs> you guys are gonna they're gonna fucking eat you up with a four. I'm excited. Yeah, you have an outfit plans. Is it a one night thing or like a weekend? It is a weekend, but I'm only going to go to the uh, one dinner. Uh, right. Nice. You know, not too much. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> you know. act like you have that kind of time. Yeah. I'm not going to go to the fucking... <laughs> right, I live in L.A. Yeah, barbecue, right. you know, what? Elks Club. I'm no. vegan. No, exactly. Right. Are you vegan? I've been eating vegan, yeah. How's it going? It's really hard around cake. Cake is so good. Cake is so good, but that's really the only... Do you ever go to Cafe Gratitude? Oh, yeah. Because um, they have everything's vegan, mm-hmm. but everything's named... New agey, annoying names I like know. I'm gonna have the Serenity. I know, and they really are. Um, they kind of push that on you. Yeah. So it's like, and then one time I got there and they were out of something. So it's like, they tell you to order like I'm feeling serene, <laughs> right? and they're like, I'm sorry, we're out of the serene. God damn it! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't like the whole song and dance there, but it is a relief to know that everything is vegan. Right. Because I sometimes struggle with dairy stuff. Okay, so I also just thought of another Carrie Fisher thing. I When we were hang, you know, hanging out for those couple of years a little bit, I went to a thrift store and they had um, the Empire Strikes Back or the Return of the Jedi Burger King glasses. Somebody was getting rid of them. And I bought her a set. And because I'm, I'm cool that way or whatever. But also, I look back and go, those are so rare that I found those in a thrift store is sort of unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it would have been like 93, 94. And um, anyway, I thought that was a wild thing. You should have thrown your friendship aside and sold that or kept it. I know. I should have kept, kept one. I have one from that time. <laughs> I kept her, one. Did you give her a set of. 
I probably got four or whatever. I should have bought every one of them in that. They're so, you know, and they right. weren't expensive. They yeah. were like a thrift store thing. I, isn't that weird? I know. In that little, in that area where she has all the Cokes and stuff and the Diet Cokes mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I also remember one time um, going, I was going to go over there and uh, hang out. And of course you're like, can I bring anything? Because you want to be like the guy that brings things. And um, she's like, bring something for Billy. And then like, and she goes, oh, and can you, and she, <laughs> and she, I picked up a laxative. Picked up laxatives and brought them over. And then you feel weird like going, well, that was seven fifty. Like you're just like, I'm, you know what, I'm going to eat the cost of the... I'm a struggling new person, but you know what? I'm going to, I'll, I'll happily pay for the Latin. She don't want to say, I, here's a receipt. It was weird. It, that whole dynamic about being around famous people is really interesting. She has such a great sense of humor. Yeah. That it would have been nothing. It would have been fine. I know, but receipt, you're like, you want, it. it's that thing. I, I just remember who I was then and, and being like, oh my gosh, this person that I admire so much seems to like me. And, you know, you know, I don't want to mess anything. I don't want to do anything wrong. And it's it was heady, but it was great. It was really. I look back on it with so much fun. Um, so you picked some questions from the observation deck. Yes. Okay. What would you like to do in a job that you haven't gotten to yet? An autopsy. Okay. So you want to? Would you like to be a My medical examiner? My brother-in-law uh, runs a funeral home, and he does the uh, whatever formaldehyde, all that stuff. Right. I guess he doesn't technically do autopsies, but they do cut open thing. Right. And I'm dying to see that. Really? And in fact, like when I was a reporter... Will he let you do it? No. I think there are laws. Oh, wow. Because when I was a reporter, we did a story on uh, caskets. Like this one this one um, funeral home in Alexandria, Louisiana was like having a sale. Right. And that was a big news story. And I remember doing the story, and as an aside, in the, in the report, I referred to the caskets as cheap, and he called me afterwards, and he was like, they're not cheap, they're affordable. That's right. But anyway, I wanted to do the stand-up inside of the room where they... Because I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let you... So there's rules. I, ha- I do have a friend that does that, that I've been trying... for Here in L.A. County, and I've been trying to get her on the podcast, so maybe oh, I will. hook me up. Will, would you be into it? Yes. Like, you want to see all of I that happen? I want to see, yeah. Like, why? What, what makes you so curious about it? <sighs> well, here's... Well, probably I'm just, like... Weird, right? But um, but I don't know. Isn't there some value to like really seeing life like that? Yeah, no. I'll say having worked, I was working on the show Box Post Op, and so we were watching a lot of the surgical footage and mm-hmm. learning things about the human body, and it does become really fascinating. And I've seen dead bodies like with yeah. the news world, so yeah. it's not like a shocking thing. And then I also heard that some in some Buddhist sects they do uh, meditate. Uh, with bodies decaying in a field as like a, oh let's all rem- remember that this is where it all leads yeah that's not know, a bad I idea I don't know that's my that's my spin on why I think this is um, okay to want yeah I think it's a great thing have you ever written a fan letter oh yes so I wrote when I was uh, in um, New Orleans and wanted to be a TV news anchor and reporter I was a huge fan of this woman Susan Rosgen who was a big fancy anchor at the NBC affiliate and she had done this story on... She had gone to Jerusalem to, like, find the real Christ. You know, whatever. Right. In search of. In search of Christ. And I was a big Catholic guy. Altar Boy of the Year. Ran our church youth group. You were Altar Boy of the Year? Twice. Who... Be, who within the whole church? Or... Yeah. Among that, all the Altar Boys. Of all the Altar Boys in the world. No, no, no. <laughs> Just this parish. In this parish. Although, you know what? I'd compete... I was. I thought go, I was really to, good. Like, it's like a pageant. You want to go to nationals. Oh. You want to go to Miss Universe. It was my pageant. Absolutely. Now, how does one become Altar Boy of the Year? 
I did think somebody, the, I think did, the priest just picked. They just decide. I think so, yeah. Why were you so extraordinary? You know, it's hard to say. Um, we did go to the early mass, and it was hard to get someone to do that one. Right, you're willing to do the tough shifts. Really, I think that's yeah. indicative of your entire life. Yeah, and I always was big on, like, um, impressing the adults. Right. So, like, I was president of our youth group, and yeah. the people, the kids in the youth group, I think, hated me. Um, because I was just there to run a corporation. Like, I saw that movie Big Business with Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin, and I'm like, I'm Bette Midler. Right. So I'm running a corporation, and I think back, I'm not in touch with any of those kids now, and I'm like, oh my god, they must think that I am such a monster. Will any of them be at your reunion? No. Yeah. Because that was another weird thing, like, because I went to high school in a town that was outside, and everyone there was Baptist. Right. So I was, like, the only Catholic. Yeah. Anyway, crazy, though. Did it mean a lot to you to be Alter Boy of the Year? Were you proud of it? Oh, yeah. Did you get a plaque or something? I got a little Virgin Mary statue. Wow. I still have it. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm, yeah. And then the second year, you were like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get it. I get it. By then, I was Your like, modern family at this point. Totally. Yeah. And You're I was Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Totally. And yeah. that was just a gift given to you, like the altar boy thing, but the youth group thing was an election, so that was more important to me. That's And good. when I got de-elected after a few years... Um, I threw myself a huge party with, like, American flags, just like my little fantasy of, of uh, being a politician. When you got re-elected? De-elected. De-elected. Yeah. That means you're not I elected. Lost. Yeah. But so I was, a party for I was still in power, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw a going out and coming in party. Right. So I threw a goodbye Byron party and a welcome. I, was and it? you used the Jason. budget from the, the, oh, yeah. the organization to oh, yeah. support your party. Oh, yeah. I That's was a monster. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I was like a young um, House of Cards guy. I love it. Yeah. You were early uh, Frank Underwood. I'm so embarrassed by all that. And yeah. I, I had a videotape too. So. You were a little Tracy Flicky. Oh, yeah. And like at the time, the bodyguard was a big deal. Of course it was. And um, so in my goodbye address, prayer, I did the thing where I played I'll Always Love You. I hired a DJ. And the DJ played I'll Always Love You, so that, and I timed out my prayer so that when it was over, it would be the boom, and I, I'm not kidding. This is incredible. No, I'm, I'm blushing talking about it, and I, there's a VHS of that that I have, to this day, never watched. Uh, Please watch it. Oh my it. god, I am so, I cannot believe that that was me. I'm so embarrassed. That's amazing. Alas, that, that happened. Did you have catholic guilt around being gay oh yeah was that traumatic and coming out and all that stuff um yeah i thought that the devil was uh, it was all the devil shit and i would go to these uh retreats like catholic youth group retreats right and every time i would masturbate i'd go to confession and i'm sure the priest and you would say i masturbated or would you say i touched myself oh self-harm i realized that that catholics called it self-harm and so i would call it that mormons did that too they had some self-abuse yeah self-abuse maybe i don't feel that abused yeah but you know this one priest, uh, I was so... I always got nervous confessing it, too. Right. So I go to this priest. We sit down. We're at this retreat that's, like, charismatic. So it's a lot of, like, the Holy Spirit will come into you and all this stuff. And uh, I remember sitting with this priest and uh, in the course of my confession, just being too scared to say it, too embarrassed. And he was like, anything else? And I was like, that's it. And he was like, what about the sexual stuff? And I was like, oh my God, the Holy Spirit is talking to this guy. It's written all over my face. You know, and really, I mean, I think this guy... You're a teenager. There's always sexual stuff. Always sexual stuff. Wow. Well, how did it go with your family and stuff when you came out? Uh, Mom was like, uh, awesome. And um, dad... I told my sister first, and she was really sad. and, And my dad is, I think, still kind of trying to find a place where it's all 
gonna be okay. It's all gonna be okay. Have they met your boyfriend? No. That, not yet, so that's coming up soon. It's coming up soon. How may, long have you guys been together? He may choose, Dad may choose to not, and my sister may choose to not meet him during this trip. We don't know. Uh, All right. Um, how long have I been with Steve? Uh, yeah. We just hit three years. Congrats. Thanks. Now, Steve has a novel out, oh. and we're going to interview him later for the podcast. Lily and but the it's Octopus. The, Lily and the Octopus. But it's the most buzzy book, mm-hmm. and it, it, I'll talk to him all about it. But it was one of those things where he wrote it on his own, and it became the Cinderella story of the publishing industry. He was about to hit send to send it to Amazon to sell it himself right. when Simon & Schuster was like, Wait! What's that like to witness? Because that is... I mean, there's a lot of stories in, in, in media and in entertainment where uh, people trudge away for years and then something finally happens. Or, or, but then there's one... There's rarely those stories where your life changes in a weekend mm-hmm. with one phone call or right. whatever. And that's what sounds like happened. Yeah. It was really beautiful. And he's uh, been so graceful and grateful. And he mails handwritten thank you notes to bookstores that put his book in the window. I mean, like... That's amazing. It's very, very classy. Yeah. Good. Well, it's such a... Th- I'm so... First of all, I read his story and I'm like, oh God, this still happens. Because I've written a couple books and publishing is so different now. Yeah. And it, it's... I, I'm glad I got to experience it when I did and I'd like to do it again, but I was so, like, heartened by his story. Yeah. Because it sounded like something special... Somebody wrote something special and it, it wasn't like... He didn't have to do it all himself. Like, some some big sort of thing got behind it and saw something and said, this is special and we're going to put some money behind it and, and all of that. So that must be exciting to be around. Is he on yeah. book tour? Uh, he did a tour yeah. in several cities, but he's back now and all done. All right, now there he's you working go. on a new one. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to read it and we're going to have him later on the podcast. Cool. If you want to be in the book club and read it before I interview him, it's mm-hmm. called Lily and the Octopus. Lily and the Octopus. And yeah. his last name, Steve Rowley. Rowley. All right, so it's kind of like an Oprah book club. All right, I think there's one more question that you uh, you picked. What does your family think of your success? Oh, well, that's tricky. Mom is, uh, well, like last night I told her I was shooting something for Project Greenlight and she was like, Are, do you get paid for this? You know, so it's like a sweet, you know. Right. And then, they're hoping. They're hoping. And then uh, when I did Herpes Boy years ago, uh, my dad was horrified because here I was, like a dignified television news reporter right. going to putting lipstick on my face. And, right. Um, Doing but, a sort of irreverent comedy. Yeah. But then Napoleon Dynamite had just sold for $5 million, and I was like, Dad, I'm going to make Herbie's Boy a movie, and maybe I'll sell it for $5 million, and then he was really excited. Then he was on board. Now, none of that happened. Uh, and then even Will and Testicle, they're kind of like, what? But I'm not even sure they understand, um, like, web series, like my... my aunt, I don't even understand web series. My like, aunt still can't... She's like, is it a, what are you doing? Is it a movie? You know, it's that kind of thing. There is so much in the creative fields, whether it's writing or acting or anything where the the money about it and how it works and who hires it's all sort of nebulous and a mystery i had my friend andrea carla michaels on recently and she writes crossword puzzles for the new york times wow. like that sounds like an amazing thing right yeah every you know every so often one of her puzzles will run and i'm like that seems like the pinnacle of of puzzle writing whatever and she says she gets about 50 bucks for one Oh and I was, and I just was like, "What? Like, it just—that's yeah. sort of the world. That's there's the world. content. There's whatever. And what's the choice? Not do your thing that you love, right? What keeps you going? What what fires you up about being a creative person? I just heard this quote that I've been saying over and over from uh, uh, Better Call Saul. What's that guy's? What's that guy's name? 
Uh, Bob Odenkirk? Yes. Pulled he that said, out of my ass. Yeah, he said, uh, I think someone told him this, but whatever. Like, you you know, do your art, you'll have ups and downs, you might be living in a van on the side of the road somewhere, but you'll be alive inside. And that's sort of been a guidepost. That's like my true north in the art thing. Right. Feeling alive inside. Well, sometimes I look back and, and not look back, I look at what I've got on my plate, what I'm trying to do, what am I doing, and... I'm not getting any of the, you know, all of those questions. And I'm like, well, you're either doing the thing or you're not. Yeah. And that, I try to go back to that. So I'm like, I'm doing the thing. I'm doing, doing the thing the that thing. I love, that I feel like I'm sort of meant to be doing and yeah. feel like I'm trying to offer something. And then the, you know, and hopefully someone will, somewhere will pay me to do something so I can eat something. I don't know. It's like, that's, like you said, you, you, you would be, you could, be dead inside and not doing the thing. Yeah. So and it that. doesn't have to... And just showing up counts. It doesn't have to be perfect. Right. You know? I like that. All mm-hmm. right. That's a great way to wrap it up. How can people learn more about what you do? Lastwillandtesticle.com yep, is the website. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Check it out. You'll have a lot of fun. You'll go on an emotional journey. Yay! It's light and fun and funny and snappy. Quick. It's snappy. It is quick. Yeah. You'll it's get quick. It fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Congratulations on that and good Thanks. luck with everything else you got going on. It's Thanks, been a real fun. Yay! Real fun time. Thanks, Dennis. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Byron Lane, and go check out his web series at www.lastwillandtesticle.com. It's really fun. All right, so this happened. It's been a while since I've uh, done one of these. I'm sorry. I just ended a job, so I'll have more time, and I've got a lot of really great people coming up, I promise. So, um, But uh, August has been like concert mania for me. I saw Barbara Streisand and Adele and the Indigo Girls, in that order. So I will break it down. First of all... Barbara Streisand, uh, my hairdresser had an extra ticket. That's, I, I don't know how many people have said that sentence before. Probably a lot. My hairdresser had an extra ticket to Barbara Streisand. Um, so I'm like, you know, she's not going to be around forever. I've never seen her. This is an opportunity. So I snatched it up and we went. And um, it was really great. I really enjoyed it. She sounds really good. She's 74, you guys. 74. And she's still singing it. She talked quite a lot, and it, I know it was all on teleprompter, but it seemed pretty natural and casual. What I did love about it that was so her is most of the patter that she talked about was basically her complaining about stuff that she didn't control. or Like, she did a chunk about how people pronounce her name wrong, and she said, she kept saying it's Streisand, not Streisand. Like, you really had to get a microscope to figure out the difference. It's a s, not z, apparently. It's Streisand with us, not something with us. She should do that song and hammer it home. She did that, and then she would like show an album cover for the way the way we were, and say, um, "Look at this. They they erased the bump on my nose. I I want the bump in my nose. So when I did the CD, I brought it back." And then she'd show another CD cover, and they're like, "She's like they cut off my feet." So <laughs> all of her patter was like. Uh, in tune with that, in keeping with that image of her as very controlling, and she doesn't even want orange koi fish in her pond because it throws off the color scheme of the house. But it was still a thrill to be there. Uh, I mean, when she's singing Don't Rain on My Parade and the Fanny Bryce scene is playing behind her, it's pretty electrifying. And she had three guests, um, Jamie Foxx, um, who else? Oh, Seth MacFarlane, and... Uh, who's the third one? Jamie Foxx, Seth MacFarlane, Babyface. I just had this flash that I told this whole story on a previous podcast. I don't care. I'm going to tell it again. The point is, Jamie Foxx was the big surprise. 
he sang Climb Every Mountain with her from Sound of Music. And when they first started, I was like, that song? I mean, what's sappier than that? And they just crushed it. And his the harmonies and the power of his voice and hers. And you could see her kind of going, oh, shit, he's bringing it. I better step it up. It was really thrilling and a highlight. Jamie Foxx, his career kind of confounds me because he's so talented at so many things. He won the Oscar, but then he kind of like, I don't know, he did some music. What's going on there? I feel like he's got the talent to be bigger than he is. There's some story there. I don't know. Maybe he's weird and, and or makes weird choices or I don't know. He did Miami Vice. I'm not sure. But um, he was amazing with Barbra Streisand. Okay, so cut to a week later, same time, same channel, Adele at Staples Center. My friend Rebecca had an extra ticket and invited me to go. It was... I'm a fan of Adele's. I'm not, like, uh, a super fan. Like, Rebecca is a super fan, so she got in on a fan, you know, window where you buy the tickets and was able to get them. Um, But now I'm a super fan. Her voice was incredible, and... The production was really elegant and, like, just beautiful lines, and her dress was really beautiful, and... But what made it so special was her chat in between songs. She's super chatty. She's like every drunk British girl I worked on the cruise ships with, who's funny and irreverent and had a few drinks, maybe, or wants to, and self-deprecating... She brought up these two guys. She goes, there's there's two people I want to meet here tonight. I saw them dancing like no one was looking. Come on up. She brought up these gay guys. And it turns out they were engaged. And she had this whole little interview chat with them. Took a selfie. They invited her to the wedding. And she's like, I'd love to come, you know. And um, they're like, what's your quote? And anyway, she's not going to go to that wedding. But she made them feel like she would. And it was so spontaneous and special and alive And then she would sing the shit out of a bunch of songs. It was so cool. Um, Fire Through the Rain, is that the name of that song? That was the song she sang right before the encore that sort of ended the the first set. And it started raining around her on this platform in the middle of the stage. So that was cool. Um, She also brought up this girl and let her sing. And she was an amazing singer. And she was telling stories about going to Bristol Farms and how much she loved it and Skyfall, how she didn't want to do it, but she kind of secretly did, and she played hard to get. And anyway, she was delightful. She made everyone in that room feel good about themselves. I think that's her gift. She makes people feel like if she knew you, she would like you, and you would be cool. Which is not something you get from like a Madonna or a Barbara Streisand, who don't even want to think about you in any specific terms. Um, they just want you to follow their tweets or show up or whatever. Um, or buy their, their really expensive concert tickets so they can buy a painting. I heard that's Barbara's big motivation for going on tour. There's a painting. I want this painting, and I had to, you know, whatever. But that's what you... She's Barbara, you know, just like Trump. She's 74. She ain't changing. Um, she did get a few digs in at Trump, Barbara Streisand. But uh, then what was the other concert I saw? Oh, uh, Indigo Girls. It was um, a much smaller situation. Uh, And they started late, so as a school night old person, I was a little bit like, let's get this going, you know, bring it home, sing closer to fine, let's call it a night. But it was still pretty great. It was fun. It was at the Henry Fonda Theater. I love those songs. I'm digging out all my old CDs and, and, and loving those harmonies. I used to be a real Emily guy. Emily, there's Emily and Amy. 
And um, Emily wrote sort of prettier songs to my ear, more melodic, more sort of piano-y ballads or whatever. And uh, on this particular show... I kind of I kind of switched to an Amy guy, or I you know I I I'm bal- I feel like I'm balanced now in my Indigo Girls devotion. So that's a nice feeling, frankly. All right, um, that's enough jabbering for this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time on Dennis. Anyone? Bye.